Hello, Christ Community Church and the community of Wilmington, North Carolina. We are very excited to announce that we are uh, returning or regathering or reopening, whatever word you want to use for uh, church on Sunday, July the 19th. So I uh, want you to be prepared for that. And I want to give you several different announcements uh, in helping you prepare, be prepared for that first service and the ongoing services with the difference of what's happening with the coronavirus. Number one, we're having three service times, 8.30, 9.45, and 11. 8.30, 9.45, and 11. There are no sign-ups, so we're hoping everybody can just fit into one of those three services. There is limited space in the sanctuary of about 125 people, which is why we're having three services. Uh, the length of the service will be under an hour, uh, there's no meet and greet. There's no offering. There's an offering box at the back uh, door that you can use if you bring uh, your offering on Sunday. We're not handing out any uh, bulletins. We would encourage you to bring your own Bible. And um, if you have a prayer request, the, the keeping in touch cards will be at the uh, visitor's information table. So there'll be quite a few changes during that service. You'll see them as you come in but three times, 8.30, 9.45, and 11. Uh, we are requiring masks to be worn the entire time you're inside the building. So that's a difficult decision, but we're trying to follow the governor's lead here, and we're also following our health team's lead here, and we all feel like that's the best way to keep the most people safe is to require masks. Now, if you're under 11, that's not a requirement. If you have some kind of health issue uh, that, that the mask impedes, you're at, you have asthma or something like that, then that's fine. But otherwise, we are requiring for you to have masks. There will be masks available that we can give to you when you come in case you forget yours. Um, the cleaning of the building, the building is sanitized uh, in the middle of the week in preparation for the Sunday service. Uh, all the highly touched areas will be cleaned uh, before and after every service. And the staff are required to take their temperatures and record it every time they come into the office for work. So we're just trying to make sure this building and this area is as um, germ-free, sanitized as we can. If you're not feeling well, uh, please stay at home. I know you've heard this many times, but a lot of times just people say, I didn't think I felt that bad, but um, just if you're not feeling well at all, just make it easier on everybody to stay at home. If you're um, taking care of somebody, uh, an elderly parent, or you have some particular uh, problem, health problem that would prevent you from being inside in a large group of people, we totally understand. Maybe you just feel nervous about the virus still and, and you and your family want to stay at home. There, there's no shame, there's no judgment on that. We completely understand. Everybody has to make their own decision and we're trying to make a good decision and opening up and being as safe as possible, but we completely understand if uh, you need or want to stay at home. There'll still be services, uh, they'll be live streamed beginning on the 19th, and then you can go onto the website and hear the sermon as well in case you can't make it. Uh, in terms of seating, when you enter the sanctuary, you'll see that every other row has been removed. So there's uh, six feet in between rows, and we're asking you to sit as a group. So your family, or maybe it would be people you're not social distancing from, 
you and your fam, another family get together already, or you and a group of people like college students or YoPro, they they could sit together if you're they're not already social distancing. But if you're not social, if you're social distancing from certain people, we want you to have two seats uh, in between your group and the next group to make sure we're in the right space. Uh, there is no nursery or child care provided, which is important. We realize this is going to make uh, the services a little noisier, perhaps, and uh, certainly more of a challenge for parents of young children. And again, if, if that's uh, just too difficult for you and you need to stay at home and watch at home, we totally understand. Uh, but we're, we're, we're braced for it. We're, we're welcoming the children to come into the service. We're happy about that. If, if they just get too rowdy and they can't last, that's totally fine. You can go to the lobby. Uh, which will be open, and the video will be on the, the screen in the lobby that you can watch and try to help your kid uh, or child. There's also going to be the nursery rooms downstairs that will be open for two different families. We're trying to limit the number of people that go into those rooms, but they'll be open. There won't be any toys in there, so you have to bring your own toys, uh, but they'll be available, and then you're welcome to go to the playground at any point. So we're trying to trying to allow the service to be shorter so you can uh, have your family together. But we understand that just some ages and stages are going to be more challenging. So we're trying to open up the building in different ways for you to be able to use that as well. Again, anything we can do to help you on that, please, please let Sharon know and she'll uh, help navigate some of those things for you. The upstairs is closed, the elevator is closed, the water fountain is closed. There's a lot of things that you'll see that are shut down. There will be bottled water available, but there won't be any coffee. And when you exit the building, there's actually three different exits. And what we're going to ask you to just to exit the building nearest to where you're sitting. But the good news is, is that as you exit, we're going to have donuts. Some of you remember that Christ Community Church was built on the Bible and donuts. And uh, we had that for many years uh, at the very beginning of our time. And so we thought, there's so many things we can't do. What can we provide? So we'll have people with gloves and a mask on and putting a, a little donut on a napkin for you to take. And hopefully that'll just be a little sweet reminder of the time that we are able to get together. We know this is, this is going to be a big challenge. It's not going to fit everybody's needs. That's not possible. But we want you to know we think it's important that we start regathering and being together as much as, as we can in a safe way. So we hope just the sweetness of just being together will uh, overcome all the hurdles and challenges. And again, if it's not good for you for whatever reason, we just want you to know we love you, we're praying for you, and we want you to choose the right time for you to be back here with us at Christ Community Church. We look forward to seeing you on July the 19th at one of our services, 8.30, 9.45, or 11.
Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us for worship. Today, we're going to start off with Good and Gracious King. the throne of glory nothing in my hands I bring but the promise of acceptance from a good and gracious king and I will give to you my burden and as you give to me your strength come and fill me with your spirit and as I sing to you this praise cause you deserve the greater glory and overcome I lift my voice to the king in me i 
deserve the greater glory. Cause you deserve the greater glory. And overcome I lift my voice to the King in need of nothing. Empty handed I rejoice. You deserve the greater Someone asked me the other day if the shutdown because of the coronavirus had been tough on me and the church. And I thought for a few minutes and I thought, no, I would say it's been strange. But what I anticipate being tough is actually reopening, uh, returning because of all the different things that we have to do as a church, all the different opinions that come out. I think that's going to be a lot tougher. This past week, we interviewed somebody to be an elder at Christ Community Church. And at the end of the interview, I asked him this, this question. We're on this raft called Christ Community Church. And I believe that the water behind us is more calm than the, the water ahead. I think the water ahead for our church, because of our culture, is more like white water. And I asked them if they were ready to get on this raft and help lead us through this white water. You remember white water on a river is where there's a dramatic plunge and the rocks stir up the, the water so it sort of uh, is wavy and frothy and it's very difficult to navigate. It's very exciting, but it's also very dangerous. And I asked this person if they were ready to jump in a raft that was getting ready to head for white water. Now, I don't know. Um, I can't be sure, but it just feels like we're coming around a bend in a river and out ahead of us is, is a lot of white water. Some of it obviously is, obviously is just the COVID-19 and the virus and will we ever get back to normal as a church, as a culture? What's it going to be like returning on Sunday mornings? But we also have all these pressures, cultural pressures coming at us from from every side and you you feel them uh, it might be the economy it might be the election coming up in the next five months it might be the issues of racism and justice it might be lgbtq it might be uh, any number of these things that all are coming at us all the time through our conversations through the media uh, 
And then we as a church have to ask ourselves and try to answer, um, how, what kind of voice should we have in these situations? Where should we lean in? Where should we be speaking? What should we be saying in these turbulent times, in these times of white water? And so, therefore, uh, in the next two months, I want to do a sermon series that I'm titling uh, the, stream, the Sermons for This Stream. And I just, they may seem a little random, but they're all thoughts I've had over the last few months. Um, and I just want to put them together as things I think we need to be thinking about, things that we need to be prepared for as we come around this bend and regather. And then as we face these things that are, that are upon us or out in front of us. Uh, one character trait that we have to employ in order to navigate successfully this whitewater is a character trait I'm going to call toughness. Toughness. And I want to talk about toughness by looking at this little-known character in the New Testament, Paul's protege, a a guy named Titus. Titus was a, a tough guy, and he was able to navigate some difficult whitewater because he was with Paul in a lot of difficult situations, and then he specifically was given some very difficult circumstances to try to navigate. And so Paul understood if you were going to be in the early church, if you were going to help navigate these all these uh, rocks and boulders in the stream of the first century church, you're going to have to be tough. Uh, no snowflakes uh, allowed on Paul's team. And so he, he, Titus is an early convert and then becomes one of the most important people to Paul and his ministry as he moves forward. Now, I want to have a picture in my mind. This is the picture I have in my mind. It actually came from a magazine called The New Yorker. And uh, this is the picture I have of Titus. He's a young man. Uh, We know that. And he's tough. And this picture is actually a a picture uh, of a wrestler. The New Yorker magazine said the many faces of college wrestling. And it had different pictures of these faces. And this is the one I thought in my mind, look like Titus. He's, he's bruised, he's sweaty, but he's chiseled. He's, he's hardened like a college wrestler would be. All, all these pictures were the same, sort of the hollowed out cheekbones, the sweaty, tough, bruised toughness of these college wrestlers. And, and if you know anything about wrestling, it's just completely exhausting because you have to exert all of your, all of your muscles have to be firing at the same time and that's why you only wrestle in segments of two or three minutes because you can't wrestle any longer than that because you're so exhausted. And this is the, the picture I have of followers of Christ navigating white water. All, their, all of our spiritual muscles are going to have to be firing at the same time. And it's going to be difficult. It's going to be exhausting. It's going to take some, some toughness. And as we'll see, Titus is given some uh, very difficult assignments. And my question is, just as we begin and as we end, is are, are you tough? Are, are we as a church tough? And when I say that, I don't mean like some kind of schoolyard bully. I really think of somebody who can take a stand. Just when one of these cultural issues come towards you and there's a lot of heat, especially against a biblical position, can you just stand? 
Are you, are you tough enough to stand? Can you, can you wrestle in a difficult conversation? Can you, can you grapple with an idea or grapple with a difficult person without punishing the person trying to correct in some way? This is the kind of toughness that's required of Paul, the kind of toughness that was required of Titus, the kind of toughness that's going to be required for each of us. Let me give you just a little brief background on Titus. He's a Greek. So he's a Gentile. In in the New Testament, there's Jewish people, and then everybody else who's not Jewish is a Gentile. So Titus is a Gentile. He was an early convert uh, to Christianity under Paul's teaching. And as I said, he developed into one of Paul's most trusted companions. And I want to look at three very difficult or tough assignments that Titus was given. First of all, in Galatians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. In about 50 A.D., uh, the gospel began to spread outside of uh, sort of the Jewish bubble. It began to move out into the, to the Gentile territory. And incorporating the Gentiles into this previously exclusively Jewish club called the church was very difficult. It was like whitewater. It was exciting, and yet it was uh, full of difficulties. And the first Christians... Uh, some of the first Christians, all of who were Jewish, believed that as Gentiles came into the church, in order for them to be incorporated in the church, they had to love Jesus, but they also had to have to love Jewishness. They had to take on all the Jewish uh, customs and traditions, especially as it uh, pertained to the practice of circumcision. Now, beginning 2,000 years ago, beginning with Abraham, circumcision, we know, was a sign of being a part of God's people. So they just assumed, some of these early converts assumed, hey, you had to have this particular sign. But we know that under the New new Covenant, the, the last bloody sign was the sign of the cross, that Jesus paid it all. And now that bloody sign of circumcision is put away and we stand under the blood of Christ. But these people had lived in this momentum, this uh, law for 2,000 years, and it was hard for them to suddenly just cut that off. So in Galatians chapter 2, Paul is recalling a time that he went back to Jerusalem to fight for grace. Instead of having to live under the law, he's saying, no, we're living under a, a new covenant, a covenant of grace and so he went back to Jerusalem, and I think he strategically took Timothy, or Titus with him, the Greek, the Gentile, the uncircumcised one. Galatians chapter 2 says this, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers secretly brought in, and listen to his language, who slipped in to spy out our freedom. To, to, you can hear that, to take away grace that we have in Jesus Christ so that they might bring us into slavery. To them, we didn't yield in submission, not even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. So in this passage, Paul is saying, I took Titus, this uncircumcised Greek, to Jerusalem, where they met all the power brokers in the early church who were all Jewish. And Titus was the the token Gentile. He was the only outsider in the room. 
I want to pick up on the pressure words. Notice they wanted to bring us into slavery. We couldn't yield in submission. This, this feels like a, a, a big wrestling match. That, that somebody's trying to pin somebody down. These, these Jewish people who are still trying to hold on to this, these Old Testament customs are trying to pin Paul down, trying to pin Titus down and take away the grace and put them back into slavery. They, they couldn't yield in submission, not even for a moment. Now, Paul is standing with Titus in these conversations, but try to imagine being Titus here. He's back in Jerusalem, capital city of uh, Israel. He's the Greek. He's the outsider on the inside of this room. He's having to hear the tone of the argument that's going on. He's having to absorb uh, these racial or, or ethnically charged comments. He, he's the one that has, is trying to defend his faith with Paul against these religious leaders. It's hard for us to, to overestimate the, the pressure that would have been on Titus at this moment. Maybe we can get a, a picture of it by thinking of another picture some of you are familiar with the story of Ruby Bridges. Ruby Bridges was a little girl in 1960, a first grader, and she was part of the integration of the public school system in New Orleans in 1960. And uh, the, the biography says this about Ruby. Ruby was one of six African-American students designate, designated to integrate this particular public school in New Orleans. But even though six African-American students were chosen to go to this elementary school, Ruby, on the first day of school, she was the only one to show up. Little first grader, little bow in her hair, lunchbox, very famous Norman Rockwell picture painted of her. And she was escorted with four U.S. Marshals on that first day of school and every day that year. The first day, she spent the entire day in the principal's office. She never went to class because everybody in the first grade, every white parent came and withdrew their student from that first grade class. On the second day, she met her teacher named Barbara Henry, a young teacher from Boston. And for the rest of the year, Ruby Bridges and Barbara Henry went through first grade together. Not one parent allowed their child to attend first grade with Ruby Bridges. She had to just stand alone. And every day as she walked with the U.S. Marshals through a crowd of angry people, the U.S. Marshals just told her to look ahead so that she could avoid seeing the screaming faces and the racial things scribbled on walls next to her. She still had to hear but she had to stand alone. She had to stand all by herself. Later in life, Ruby Bridges said this, when you start a new trail, you must be equipped with courage, strength, and conviction. That's what I call toughness. Toughness, courage, strength, and conviction. See, toughness comes in all sizes. It's not just a picture of a, college wrestler. It might be a picture of a 
first grader named Ruby Bridges. Toughness is required if we're going to have to stand alone at some point. Toughness was required of Titus. Toughness is going to be required of you and I. And I just wonder if we're ready, if we're equipped. We've got white water coming, and with this white water, I don't want anybody to get launched out of the boat. But as we navigate that white water, we're going to have to learn to stand. Stand alone as an individual in a conversation. Stand alone as a church upholding biblical principles. It's going to require some toughness. Second picture I want to show you of Titus uh, is in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Paul had a very rocky relationship with the church at Corinth. He was the one who came there, was the first evangelist in this uh, Greek city. And um, as soon as he leaves, the, the people of Corinth are, are not very disciplined, let's say. And they immediately begin to disparage Paul. They don't think he really has the authority that he said he had. They start going sideways on a several different issues. And they uh, practice sexual immorality inside the church. They have several abuses of the Lord's Supper, showing off in worship, uh, lawsuits between believers. Doesn't this sound like a wonderful choice, church to join? <laughs> And Paul has to make an emergency trip back to Corinth trying to, to correct these abuses. And he describes this trip as painful. And after this painful trip, he writes a letter called the Severe Letter back. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, For I wrote to you out of great distress and anguish anguish of my heart with many tears. I mean, he's so sad to see his church that he planted go sideways. And so he, he's writing with tears, but he's having to write something severe to, to correct the ways that they have, have gone. And Paul, after he finishes this severe letter, he looks around at his little entourage and he has to pick somebody to deliver the letter. How would you like that assignment? I don't know if you remember this as a, as a student, but uh, the teacher asked a question and you know she's going to call on somebody and what did you do if you didn't know the answer? Well, you look down at your paper, you look down at your shoes, you do, you do whatever you can do to avoid eye contact because you don't want to be the person called on to answer this tough question. Well, I don't know if that was happening in Paul's little circle, but he looks around and who does he choose? Titus. Titus, I, I need you to take an assignment for me. I need you to go back to Corinth. I need you to deliver this severe letter. And once you deliver it, Titus, you're going to stand there and receive some blowback. And then after all the, the, the heat has been exhausted from this conversation, you just need to stay there and stand there and then begin to carefully navigate a way forward. See, this is going to take a a great deal of emotional maturity for Titus. See, Paul can't send a, a loudmouth. He can't send somebody who's quarrelsome. He's got to send somebody who's a peacemaker. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Now, peacemakers aren't doormats. They don't just get walked over. They're, they're not peace fakers. 
people who are just trying to make everybody feel good. No, they're, they're people who are able to stand in severe circumstances and stand in the middle of difficult conversations and, and let people be heard, but then tell the truth and try to move forward. This is what Titus was so capable of doing. This is the toughness that was required for Titus. And I wonder, again, for you and I as individuals, as a church, are, are we able to do that? Are we able to somehow deliver this truth, withstand the blowback, and then with gentleness and respect begin to navigate a way forward? That's what a peacemaker does. It takes toughness, takes emotional maturity, third little picture I want to pick up with Titus. It's actually in the book called Titus chapter 1 verse 5 and then 10 through 13. I want to read that. Verse 5, this is why I left you in Crete. So at some point Paul and Titus had been in Crete. They'd done some evangelism and Paul is leaving and he's leaving Titus behind in Crete so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. Verse 10. For there are many who are insubordinate. So this is Paul understanding the culture he's leaving Titus in. There are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers, deceivers, especially those of the circumcision party. They must be silenced since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in faith. Paul has to leave Crete. He has to leave somebody behind who's tough. It's got to be tough because he's going to leave them in Crete and Crete has this earned reputation of being full of liars and evil beasts. This, their own prophet said this and I love how Paul responds. Yeah, that's, that's true. What they say about themselves, it's true. I've, I've seen it myself. And who's Paul going to call when he needs somebody who's tough? Titus. Titus. He calls Titus. And I want you to pick up on this assignment because it's different than the first one we talked about in Galatians where Paul takes Titus back to Jerusalem. Now Paul is leaving Titus in Crete. This is Titus's Greek. This is Titus's home turf. He's not an outsider anymore. He, he's part of the inside group. He knows the culture. He knows the language. He knows everything about the, the country because it's his own country. But yet he's been transformed by Christ. And now he's having to stay inside of his culture and be an influence for Christ in a profane culture. That's a, that's a difficult assignment. That's the assignment most of us have. We have a culture that's hostile to Christianity. But we're part of the culture. We understand the language. We understand the traditions. We understand everything about it. And can we stand inside of our own culture and withstand the culture and not be swept away from it and not just withstand it but begin to redirect 
to build up leaders who understand the faith, who can begin to build churches who redirect the entire culture. What a, what a challenge. What a tough challenge that's going to be for Titus. It's going to take a tough person to do that. Not just Paul, not just Titus, but for you and I. One last picture of Titus that I think rounds out his personality, 2 Corinthians 7. Paul is recalling a time of great distress. This is what he says. We came to Greece. Our bodies had no rest. We were afflicted at every turn. Feel that wrestling? Uh, Every spiritual muscle was firing for Paul because everywhere he went in Greece, he was being attacked. He goes on to say, fighting without and fear within. Imagine Paul saying this. I'm always always wrestling against these pressures, these physical pressures, these spiritual pressures, and I, I, I find myself fearful within. But God, who comforts the downcast, comforted us by, by what? By sending Titus. I love this particular passage. If if I could choose a passage to to have seen at one moment, this would be one of the ones on the list. That watching the Apostle Paul who's fighting without and fear within, and he's feeling like he's trapped, and the God who is is the God of all comfort, he's going to do something. And what does he do? He sends Titus in. And I would have just loved to have seen the picture of the Apostle Paul's face as Titus walked through that door. Wow. Wow. Titus. Tough Titus. Now he comes in as, as the comforter. He walks into a room and infuses it with hope with comfort. Titus had been transformed by the love of Christ. He was tough. He he could take a stand if that was necessary. He could uh, deliver something severe and stay there and and absorb the blowback and then with, with tenderness, with gentleness, respect, begin to move forward. He could stand even inside of his own culture and withstand it. And when Titus came in the room, You felt hopeful. You felt comforted. This is the kind of character that our culture is dying for. Titus's. As we face Whitewater, I hope this kind of character reflects Christ Community Church. That we come into our city and we're providing comfort and hope in distress we are able to willing to stand alone to withstand in our culture to to stand in the middle of difficult conversations and not leave begin to navigate a way forward let's pray for that together today lord we We find ourselves in very familiar territory. We can go back to the New Testament. We can go back to any place in church history and see unique pressures happening on your church. 
but we know that you are the one who's building your church. And, and nothing is going to be able to ultimately prevail against the church. But the way in which you're moving forward is, is people like Titus. These living stones that make up the church. Not buildings. Men, women. Who have a certain kind of tenderness and toughness. To continue to be proclaimers of grace to be able to stand not out of our own strength but out of the strength that you provided for us in your Holy Spirit through the grace of your Son Jesus Christ help us we pray in Jesus name Amen and go in peace